So coaches, today in the podcast, Nate and I are going to tackle a problem that every one of us as coaches has faced at some point and will continue to face, and that is player injuries. Now, what typically happens for us as coaches is when a player gets injured, uh, especially if they are a, an important player, a starter, uh, or a big impact player for us, is we start to instantly, our, our focus starts to shift of how am I going to replace that player? How am I going to replace that player? And it's actually kind of a bit of a transactional approach. But what typically as a result of our focus on next man up is that the player uh, becomes fairly disengaged within the practices and our games. And I've known that to be my experience. Nate, Nate has a few stories himself on this. Is that the player doesn't feel like they can provide any value to the team. They're uncertain of what their role is. And as a coach, we're kind of confused on actually how to support them as a injured player. And we're very focused on moving the team forward without them. And so the bottom line here is that we're gonna really try to tackle today as, as, as we're aspiring to be transformational coaches, is we gotta move from that transactional mentality. We gotta move away from that, which is, well, that, that player really can't help us anymore, right? And how can we start to focus on serving that player, their needs as an injured player on our team, but also find ways to kind of empower them to identify ways that they can provide value for the team. Because I think that's at the core of what we're gonna to try to get to today is, is if we wanna have everybody on our team feel valued, we've gotta find ways for them to actually provide value, right? And so that's what we're gonna really dive in today. Nate's got some great stories around some ways that he screwed it up, but also some really practical ways that we as coaches can value our players even when they're injured. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive On Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 97, How to Support and Keep Injured Players Engaged. Coaches, I hope you've had an incredible summer and you've learned some great things from this podcast, the books you've read, and maybe any clinics or workshops you've attended. But as you prepare for the new season ahead, I know one of the most challenging things can be filtering through all the great ideas and deciding what you will implement. What is most important for building your culture? Well, I have a special PDF giving you five ways any leader can improve their culture. These are some of the, of the best and most effective culture building strategies that we've seen work with programs and all sports at all levels. So click the link at the top of the episode details to get this free three-page PDF. So Nate, it took you a little while to figure out how to best approach injured players. Why don't you share a little bit about that with us today? Well, JP, there's a couple stories that I want to share with coaches here today, and most of them revolve around my own failures to be able to kind of address the things that we talked in the intro here. So I want to, I want to start with one uh, about five or six years ago. We had a senior captain um, that broke her wrist in the weight room one game into the season. So it's kind of a fluke injury where she fell backwards and just tried to catch herself and ended up breaking her wrist. But at the time, we didn't really know what happened. We thought it was just maybe jammed or whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm in practice mode when it happened. And so I'm like, look, you know, let's get some ice on it, see what you can do with it. If you need to sit down, you know, you just kind of manage it and let me know what you can do. So 
we get done lifting, we go into practice, and she's kind of on the side trying to dribble a ball, and you can see that it, it hurts a lot when she does it, and none of that really registers very much with me because I'm I'm running practice, right? So we get to the end of practice, and we look at it, and it's swollen and it inflamed, and it hurts really bad, and so you know she gets a ride home with somebody, and and uh, I get a text message the next morning that said, "Hey, my wrist is broken." And then that day at school, I get an email from the principal that says, I want to come down and talk to you about Fish's wrist, and her parents are not very happy. And so I have this meeting with the, the parents and call the principal, and I have this meeting with the principal first, and then eventually with the parents. But they just, they just didn't like the way that I obviously handled the situation. She broke a bone in her body, and I told her to put some ice on it and go stand on the side and come back into practice when she was ready. And, and then just completely ignored her the rest of the time. I just think real quick though, Nate, that every coach has been in this situation, right? We have these, some players, I feel like they get injured and it's like, you feel like they, that they blew their knee out. They're going crazy on the sideline and everybody has to attend to them and it turns out to be nothing. And then the, there's the one player and you think it's their, 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 their thumb is jammed and you just brush it off. And then it turns out to be something serious. So I think every coach can connect with that type of situation. Well, and JP, my failure didn't just stop there. So as we kind of go on, um, you know, now we're faced with the issue that, again, we talked about in the intro of not only do we have to replace a player in the rotation, but now we have kind of this this body that doesn't work that's at practice every day. And so, you know, the natural thing to have someone do is maybe they can run the clock or, you know, they kind of pick up managerial duties. They fill up the water bottles. They keep track of the practice jerseys. But they're not really engaged doing that. Like, they're not really adding any value to the team. And the thing that we found with, with Fish was she was harboring a lot of bitterness towards me and was pretty mad at me in terms of the way that I not only handled the initial injury, but then she basically started coming into practice. She'd sit at the table. She'd run the clock. And she'd do her homework. And she'd read books while we were, you know, doing practice or whatever. And as the time went on, like, that frustrated me. Because I felt like, you know, here we're trying to work hard and we're trying to get better. And every time you look over there, you got to get her attention to get her face out of a book in order to put time on the clock. And then other people see that. And she's a senior and she's a captain. And, you know, it just it just it just didn't work, you know, for her or for us. And so I remember as we got closer to winter break, you know, Fish had said something where I'd ask her, hey, you know, some innocuous question if she's going to come to this thing or if she could do this or whatever. And. She kind of had this snide remark of like, well, if you if you had anything for me to do, maybe I would do something more, you know, or something that really kind of shocked me for a second to really reflect on how I had contributed to this situation that we were all trying to deal with here. So as I thought about my role in this whole situation of Fish being frustrated and me being frustrated, I, I just realized that I could have dealt with this in a lot different ways, a lot of different ways, starting from the moment the injury happened all the way through until... Christmas break. And so as I thought about it, I just felt compelled to write a letter. So I, I wrote a handwritten note, actually, and I texted Fish, and I'm like, hey, can I drop something off for you on my way to the grocery store? This is during w winter break when we're practicing. And so I went out to her place, and I, I got a couple flowers, actually, and this note, and I just said, listen, I've screwed this up over the last six weeks that has made a bad experience for you because I didn't know what to do once you were hurt, I didn't know what you wanted to do. I didn't know what the best way for you to stay connected with your teammates was. And rather than us talk about all those things, I just ignored it, and that's made it worse, and it's my fault. And I, I want the last two months of your season to be better and, and to be better than this. And whatever I can do to help you, 
I want to do that. And I, I just kind of left it with her. She like sort of stood there and she and started to tear up a little bit and she took it and I, I just kind of left. But um, when we came back to practice, like just her attitude was totally different. Like she was a little more engaged. Um, she was talking to her teammates more. She was paying more attention to what was going on. She was giving more encouragement. And I think that, that just saying, look, I want to value you and have help you find a way to enjoy this last part of your career, even if it means that you're hurt, um, was a really important way to start mending that fence. Well, yeah, and I think the, the big challenge here is I think so often we just struggle as coaches with empathy in this situation, and you just started to empathize with her situation. And, and so often we can become in that transactional mode where we're just, like we said earlier, I'm just I have there's the pressures and focus on the next game and and I know that I've had this this attitude before and other coaches also have had it before as well which is well they just that, that that's life right that's just life life it's hard right you're just gonna have to get over it and they have to move on and 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 I've been there I've I've had the players on the sideline too and I just get so frustrated well they're not engaged they're doing homework or uh, you know that you do get that the, they're late for pre- they start showing up late for practices or they they miss that one event or then they all of a sudden They've organized this long Christmas trip with their family. And they just start doing things that just show that they really don't feel like they're part of that team or that they're enjoying their experience. It comes back to this thing I know you work so hard is you want to create an experience that your players enjoy. Well, the cool part about the end of that story when we started asking a different question is that Fish came back about halfway through January. We had about, I don't know, five or six games left and – and uh, we kind of put together this scheme when she was finally cleared. She didn't tell any of her teammates. And so then that night, she started getting dressed with her team in the locker room before the game. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm playing tonight. And everybody was so happy and so excited for her, you know, to be able to get back on the floor. And obviously, she didn't have any wind and she hadn't practiced in two months. So she only played maybe a minute or two. But it was like a really uplifting experience for our team. And What's even crazier about this story is that as we got closer to the end of the year, we got to senior night in February, and the night before senior night, she had a medical issue and ended up with a broken nose, and so she couldn't actually play on senior night, and because of the medications that they put her on, she wasn't able to even have, like, remember senior night. She came out with her parents, but a week later, she couldn't tell me a single thing that happened, you know, in that game, and so... As we got into the postseason, we started talking about, well, now what can we do for Fish to give her, like, at least a memory, you know, of, of being in the starting lineup in her last game or whatever. So we plotted with her parents to be able to start her in our first playoff game and just hope that she didn't take a blow to the nose. But uh, we drew up this play, so we were going we were gonna to start Fish in the game, get possession, run a play, give her a layup, and then everybody on the court would call timeout at the same time. We'd bring her off to this ovation. And then we would go on with the game from there. So that's what we did. We won the tip. But before we could get her the shot, we turned the ball over. So now she's got to go play defense. I'm looking up at her parents in the stands with these big eyes like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job, you know, because she wasn't supposed to play defense. Anyway, we get a turnover. We go down. We get the layup for her. She scores. Everybody calls timeout. And it was really awesome in the gym. Everybody in the gym stood up. You know, Fish came out and hugged everybody or whatever. And she got this big ovation. Uh, and it was a really cool way to end her senior year with, with a positive memory, especially considering where we started at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I think one of the big things there is that you just did the best you could. You started to do the best you could with what you had in that situation. And obviously, you couldn't fix her injury, but you started to empathize uh, and started to create some sort of moments and memories. And I think that that's just the, that, 
that's critical, right? Is, is for people to feel valued is that you were at least being intentional in that before you, you just had just kind of brushed her off to the side. And then I think that's a big thing for us as coaches is that we're at least trying to make the effort to know that we still remember that they're there. Yeah, you know, JP, another question that comes up often when you have an injured player, especially one that's going to come back during the season, it's not a season-ending situation, is do you lose your spot when you're hurt? Like, can you lose your spot? Because obviously you're not there to protect it. So somebody else has taken your minutes or they're starting in you know your place. And when you come back, do you automatically get that back? And that can be a really tough situation too. Another one that I screwed up my first year at Linmar this is like failure 101 here, this episode for me. But um, we had a situation where our starting two guard um, played about four games into the year and then turned her ankle really hard. And so she ended up being out for about six games. And the player that stepped into the starting lineup for her, we just started playing better as a team. And part of it was our schedule lightened up a little bit, but the ball was moving better and our offense was flowing better. And so when CP came back from injury – we had a conversation. I talked to her and the other player, and I said, listen, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with this spot. But for right now, Jay's going to keep starting because we're just playing better right now, and I don't really want to disrupt that chemistry. And you're still going to play a lot of minutes, probably as many as you did before, but we're going to kind of keep doing what we've been doing. And I said, maybe we end up sharing the spot or alternating the starts. I, I don't really know, but this is kind of what we're going to do to start here. And she was fine with that coming back because – you know, she hadn't practiced for a number of weeks and was trying to get her wind again. But as we went through the year, she didn't get any closer to starting again. And in fact, she didn't start another game for the rest of the year. And so as we got to the end of the year, you know, I had been hearing things during the season that she was angry and she was bitter and, you know, she's mad at me and she wasn't buying into what we were doing and she's complaining in the locker room and just a lot of negativity kind of surrounding that situation for her. And so we had this point over winter break again where um, CP and I sort of talked and said, hey, do you want to you know, sit down and talk a little bit more about where we're at with this? She's like, yeah, that'd be really great. Let's do that. And then we never did it. You know, We intended to and we're going to do it and we didn't. We pushed it off and we didn't. And that didn't help the situation at all, right? That just made her more and more frustrated because I wasn't communicating. And this was before we were doing consistent one-on-ones and, and whatever. So we get to the end of the year and the morning after the banquet, you know, my inbox floods with these parent complaints or whatever but one of them was a request by her parents to meet and so which was fine so we scheduled a meeting and you know basically their concern was that Carly loves basketball and she hated it that season and that I said we would talk about it and try to talk through where she was at and we never did and as I listened to that conversation, you know, the, the first thing that I did was take responsibility for my screw ups. So just acknowledging to the parents that I didn't have that follow up conversation, I didn't, you know, make sure that it happened, even though I said that I would, that was my fault. And again, I look back at it, I think, geez, well, how much of this could have been avoided if I would have just been more proactive and a little less busy and, you know, thought a little bit about, as you said before, I have a little bit of empathy for CP's position that she was put in losing her starting spot and trying to work her way back rather than just how do we play our best and being focused on the players that were in front of her. And so we had our exit interview coming up shortly after that meeting with her parents, which by the way, the player was not at. And so the first probably 15 minutes of my exit interview with CP was just kind of an airing of grievances. And I, and not in a way that was accusatory, but in a way that just like, I did this wrong. 
I could have done this better. I should have done this. I know I contributed to your stress because I didn't communicate very well. And I apologize for all that. And I wish I could go back and do it better and do it differently. But at this point, we can't, you know, and now we got to figure out how do we move forward. And, and to CP's credit, she came back and said, you know, coach, I wasn't very positive this year. I didn't handle it very well. I got in my own head. I got really frustrated and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I probably vented in places that I shouldn't. And I probably should have tried to talk to you more about it. And I didn't. And so as we kind of just aired the things that we both could have done better, it became this amazing turning point in our relationship. And, and now CP's a two-year captain and like she's kind of the embodiment of the culture that we want to have in our program, which is an amazing transformation given where she was. Yeah, and I think what's really, really important on these two stories, uh, to learn from your mistakes so other coaches don't make them, or maybe they're making, chances are that some coaches out there are making these mistakes, is a failure to communicate and a failure to connect. Like we've got to be communicating the role and the expectations with, within that um, so that we're giving them something there or also in this playing time issue of like a better job of communicating. But also you got to make sure that you're connecting. And that, to do that, you have to have that empathy piece. And once you start to do that, and once we start to do that as coaches, then I think we're in a much, much better position where they're going to have a more positive experience. They're going to feel valued. Well, I think you're right on, JP, that connection and communication are so important. And I think that's one of the things I've learned through these many failures of my own is that those are the places I was really lacking. And, you know, even though we didn't do it right, one of the cool things about the end of CP's story, not just her transformation and becoming a captain and a really respected player on our team, but that's become a story that's become part of our fabric of our culture. Um, we had CP tell that story to our whole team, our ninth through 12th graders last year, of just kind of losing her confidence, losing her love for the game, being hurt, how difficult it was to lose her starting position and how she got through that to be kind of become the leader that she's become. And when, every time she tells that story, she told it at camp this summer too to our incoming ninth graders. I always follow that up with, and I screwed it up too. And she doesn't really talk about that when she tells the story, but I'm, I make sure that our team knows that like I'm taking responsibility because I made it worse. And sometimes that's going to happen where like coaches are going to screw it up. And, you know, we kind of have to put that on ourselves just to know that you can get through it. And, you know, our relationship is better because of it, but it was something that took a little bit of work and took a little bit of honesty for us to be able to move through. Nate, now I love that you're taking responsibility for all your mistakes, but have you ever gotten any of these situations right as far as when your players get injured? <laughs> well, JP, uh, 16 years into my career, I feel like I finally have a success story with an injured player from our just, just this past season. We had one of our guards that was probably going to be a starter for us, blew out her knee, had a great summer for us, and blew out her knee as a sophomore um, in September, and so missed was going to miss the entire basketball season. We knew that, you know, going into the season. And I think, you know, again, coming back to the things that we've been talking about here, like I've started to develop, especially from CP's situation, a little bit more empathy, especially as she kind of, I learned from her grievances and that, that I just didn't really take time to think about how hard that would be to be in that spot. And so I really tried to be more empathetic in this situation with KB First of all, a kid that loves basketball, had a great summer, works her way into the starting lineup, you know, is looking forward to that more than anything else in her school year, and it gets taken away from her. You know, just imagining, like, first of all, how difficult that must be, and now what do we do moving forward? And so we really 
tackled it in a lot different way. And it, it was a little bit different situation because it didn't happen during the season. But what we did was, first of all, I met with KB and we had lunch a couple times before her surgery and after her surgery and, and really challenged her and tried to brainstorm with her two really important questions. Number one, how can you still help us be a better team even if you never get on the floor? And number two, how can you become a better player even if you never play this season? And so really what we were asking is how can she add value to our team and how can we add value to her experience as we go through the year? And so, you know, KB and I kind of brainstormed a little bit and then I had a meeting with her parents, came in and we talked a little bit more just about things that we could do to help her stay engaged and not just engage like around, but like have a really important role. And I think another challenge that comes up with coaches with injury sometimes is, you know, does she get a chance to letter if she has a season-ending injury before the you know year even starts? I mean, here's somebody that would have lettered if she was healthy. How do you how do you deal with that? That was something that got brought up with our meeting with her parents. And you know, as I talked to some of the other coaches in our league about what they do, the consensus seemed to be that well, if she was going to letter and she got hurt, then we just letter her if she shows up for everything. And that didn't sit very well with some of our coaches. And quite honestly, it didn't necessarily sit very well with me either because we're we're trying to make our letters something that you earn, you know, like you got to get on the floor so many minutes or percentage games or whatever. And so at any rate, what we decided to do was we decided to have KB do a scouting report for at least half of our games. So in the same way she would have had to play in half our games to let her, she wanted to let her as an injured player. She had to do effectively at least a dozen scouting reports using the exact same template that our coaching staff used we, we went into huddle and crossover. We gave her the passwords so she had the coaching access. And she broke down film on her own time at home and had to send me a, a scouting report by noon on pregame day. And then I would take some of her thoughts and kind of weave it into what we ended up giving our players when we watched film our, uh, on our upcoming opponents. So in one sense, we tried to give KB a coach's perspective and a coach's role almost on our staff to feel like she was actually adding value and doing something that made our team better. A couple other things that we did with KB besides just having her do scouting reports, one thing kind of happened by accident, but uh, there was a day early in our season where I gave her, she asked for a copy of the practice plan. And so I came in with, and I gave her a clipboard with a copy of the practice plan and with a pen. And she started keeping track of winners and losers to kind of do a little competitive cauldron in our practice. But what she also started doing, which was really awesome, is just making little comments on the side of the names of some of our drills. So when we play, you know, three-on-three three passing game or whatever, if she saw somebody working really hard, she made a note of it. If she saw that players didn't really understand this piece of it, she made a note of it. And so it was almost like a whole separate set of eyes, a different perspective from a player's perspective that was watching our practice that just made some notes. And at the end of practice, she just handed it to me. And she's like, hey, I wrote a couple things down. And so that kind of became something that she consistently did, which was pretty awesome. Um, this summer, she hasn't been in cleared yet to be able to play with us even in our summer leagues. And so just last week, we were at a team camp and, and uh, we had another injured player. And I just basically gave them the whiteboard. And I said, listen, you guys are going to coach this game. So I went and sat to the end of the bench. I told the officials, they're doing all the work. And we had two injured players coached the entire game, did the timeouts, did the substitutions, did the whole thing, right? And just let them kind of have a perception of what it was like to coach. And probably the best part of this story, the one we finally got right, is that 
at the end of the year, when we do our exit interview, and I'm sitting down with KB, and we're going through her season, and again, her roles is totally different, right? She told me that after year one, her freshman year, which was my first year at Linmar, she's like, Coach, if I was being honest with you, I was not bought in in year one. Didn't understand what you were trying to do. I wasn't buying into the stuff that you were talking about. But having seen it from the outside, sort of looking at it and, and being still connected as a player and part of the coaching staff, she's like, I totally get it now, and I'm all bought in. She's like, I wouldn't trade this experience for anything else. And, you know, again, to have that transformation with somebody that didn't even play, I mean, was really powerful. And the other powerful thing that happened for us um, in terms of KB adding value to our team happened during our mental health days. And when we would talk about you know, they'd share their frustrations or things they were struggling with. It's one thing to sit in a room and say, you know, I'm not maybe playing as much as I want to, or I'm not starting and I want to, or I'm not really comfortable with my role. Like those things would come out during the year. But when you say that with KB in your group, who would do anything just to practice one time during the season, like her level of commitment to our team and not being able to be on the floor really grounded. It really gave us a, a valuable um, perspective on the gift that it is to play, even if you're not playing as much as you want to. And that was huge for our team. Uh, and, and in fact, our players honored KB at the end of the year. The, the Coaches Association in Iowa has this Team First Award, and every team in the state can nominate somebody, and they give out quite a few of them. But we've always done it where our captains decide who gets nominated. And when I had this meeting with the captains, they're like, KB is the one that we need to nominate for this Team First Award. And so we did, and, you know, she gets the certificate. And, and when they talked about the captains presented it to her at the banquet and talked about just what she did for the team, uh, it was just awesome to hear them verbalize, again, the value that she added. And I think, again, you go back to the goal at the very beginning of the year. What can you do to help make us a better team? Um, and KB's commitment was unbelievable for us. And I think, again, it goes back to what we talked about before, because we communicated much better about what role she could play, and we made sure that she continued to be connected to the team. Well, I think there's something even more powerful that you will start to see the effects moving forward in the program, which is that she has proven to her, all of her teammates that you can provide value without playing in the game. Not even practicing. She's shown that, right? I mean, they they obviously acknowledge that. And there's there's a lot of things that I just kind of want to recap here really quickly for coaches that you did in case they didn't catch it in the story the first time around. The first thing is that with KB's situation here, you've had a change in kind of your heart posture. You just had a shift in perspective on how you have approached it. Instead of just moving on and go, all right, next next man up, you guys as as a team took the time to connect with her. Uh, to, to visit her, bring her flowers and all that. And just small gestures like that are really, really important. You started sitting down. You had consistent one-on-ones with her. I think that's really, really important throughout the season when players are injured. You're having those one-on-ones. You asked two very, very powerful questions that I think all coaches should be asking here of their players, which is how can you still be a valuable teammate and how can you become a better player even if you don't play? Just as coaches, we cannot ignore the element of the parents here, especially when it comes to the injuries here. Uh, lastly, as you came up with a lot of ways that she enjoyed, probably, for the most part. I, I don't know how much she enjoyed doing the film thing, but she found value in it, and she felt like she was learning. And it's just finding ways that players feel that they can provide value, that they may enjoy, 
as being a part of the team. And at the end of the day, she actually probably felt like she was a bit of part of the, of the coaching staff if, if she was able to write down notes and share them with her. And I think as coaches, co- consistently going over there and asking their perspective, you know, what are you seeing out there in practice or what are you seeing in the games, just bringing them on almost as a part of the coaching staff, I think that's a powerful way not just to make them feel included, but to actually help them to grow in their knowledge of, of, our, of whatever sport that you you guys are playing out there. I think just having them put the, like the coach's hat on, I think that's a really, really valuable experience. Well, JP, at the end of the day, you know, I think we were finally able to get it right with one player that was hurt because of this paradigm shift in our thinking. You know, and it really comes back to starting with empathy and not seeing an injured player as an inconvenience for me as a coach, but seeing that as a person who just took the game, you know, the game was taken away from them. And what must that feel like? You know, and what, what are they going through to have to sit and watch other people play in the role that they earned prior to their injury? How difficult must that be, especially for somebody that it misses a whole year or it affects their senior year or what have you. And, I think when I started to think about that more than think about how this is difficult for me as a coach trying to figure out the X's and O's and stuff, that's allowed me to coach our injured players and our team much better through those situations. Now, coaches, I know this culture piece to coaching can feel absolutely overwhelming. Here, we have dropped yet another area where most of us are struggling, if not actually failing to be transformational and the way that we're leading our team. It's why mentorship is so important because coaches shouldn't and can't go it alone. Our mentorship program offers not only an objective viewpoint and help uh, implementing the right strategies to build your team's culture, but it's an incredible support network throughout your journey as a coach. So schedule a free 45 minute call today where we can start putting together a plan for your team's culture this season. All you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode's details saying schedule your free call.